With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Looking for the puck is Parker. Couldn't clear. Stopped by Cook for a long shot. He scores! Colorado wins the Stanley Cup! Colorado wins! Huey Group at 4 30. Got it. A chance for the empty netter! Got it! He got it! He got it! The Jets and Gangland's got tackled by his teammates! Joe Sackick will come out to receive it as captain. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. And after 22 years, Raymond Marsh! Hello, Avalanche fans. My name is Adrian Hernandez. Welcome to At Elevation, a podcast for Avalanche fans by Avalanche fans. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by MileHighHockey.com and SB Nation. I always start the show by telling you folks, please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your preferred listening platform. Um, This helps us get you very relevant content. And if you want to get a constant feed of what we have going on in our minds and what we think of the current situation with the Colorado Avalanche, feel free to follow us on Twitter. That's at at Elevation Pod. You can also follow MileHighHockey.com's Twitter page, and that's at MileHighHockey. So on today's show, I'm going to uh, recount my stadium series experience. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. It's been um, covered quite extensively. Um, And then I'm going to throw out a little edit of interviews I got from fans who made the trip to the stadium series while I was at the tailgate experience. Um, Had some people that came from all over the country and all over North America, which was pretty cool. Um, there were even some ketchup chips at the pregame, which isn't something you usually see unless you're in Canada land. And then um, we're going to talk with Tom Hunter as we do weekly. This week, him and I had a, a pretty long phone call, um, basically due to the trade deadline and the immense amount of possibilities uh, for the Colorado Avalanche uh, and possible trade targets so that's going to take up a good chunk of today's episode but um, I promise you it's all really pertinent information and stuff that you should keep in the back of your mind as we approach the trade deadline on Monday so that's today's show you know what's coming at you let's drop the puck so I'm not the only one who had a less than ideal experience at the stadium series game Uh, like I mentioned I'm not going to spend too much time on this because we've talked about it already uh scott mcdonald has a a a pretty good article on milehighhockey.com that gets into um the experience of some uh of the more unfortunate fans who made the trip to the stadium series all i'm gonna say is it, it to me it was a big missed opportunity for both the nhl and the air force academy um the thing that stuck out to me the most was that the infrastructure uh, an organization just was not there for 40,000 people, and that can make way for a dangerous situation. 
And I'll say my experience in the pregame was that of standing in a line for about 25 minutes to get a a less than substantial sized pizza. And that was the only uh, food that I was able to get my hands on. And uh, I was one of the fans who got there early, op- got there as soon as pretty much the gates opened at one, busted out the sauce toss. Ha- I was hanging out with friends, having a few beers. We were kind of counting on the fact that we would have access to food vending inside the pregame. But uh, they were just so overwhelmed with people in there and only having three food vendors. Definitely um, made things interesting and kind of took away from the experience. So that's kind of what I'll chop it up to is I think they kind of dropped a ball and missed an opportunity. Once you got inside the stadium, it wasn't any better. The corridor was just not suited for that many people shoulder to shoulder going from your seats to the bathroom or to get beer or to get food. Um, took took often like half a period so I, I was one of the people who just said no i'm not even going to entertain that idea i'm just going to sit in my seat for all three periods and watch some hockey so fortunately for me i enjoy hockey i enjoy the outdoor thing i think the aesthetics inside the stadium were awesome i think the flyovers were cool but I do think that the event could have been executed in a way that kind of put the fans at more of a priority um but that's just my two cents on the matter. That's how things went for me. Uh, I kind of got I got I got some um, some hecklers online for my opinion of the experience. I know that I'm lucky to have been there. I get that, but it definitely could have just been held and handled in a much more appropriate way. That being said, um, in the pregame, I had a blast, and that was mostly because I got to talk to people who had come from all over the country in North America to come see this game. And when I say pregame, I mean we had set up our cars. There were people who who had set up tailgate stations out in the parking lot, which is something that I don't didn't think I'd ever get to do before a hockey game. So that in itself was a, a very cool experience. And I got a couple interviews and uh, asked some people some questions, some Avalanche fans, some Kings fans. And here I have an edit of those interviews. So enjoy. So you're at the stadium series. You're standing in front of a grill. Hit me with your name, my man. Jared. Jared, where are you from? I'm from Centennial. Very nice, very nice. So you were handed the duty. Uh, looks like you're cooking up some sausage here. Did you ever think you'd be cooking sausage in the, before a hockey game outdoors? This one, not in the last couple of years, <laughs> I didn't think I was going to be. Very nice, very yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. What are you looking forward to the most today? I'm looking forward to the flyover, for sure. Right. Uh, I think we'll have a pretty good intro, maybe some fireworks. Awesome. But yeah, the end of this, uh, end of the tailgate, and then the, the rush to get in there, then the start of the game would be cool. Sweet, man. Thank you so much for yeah. taking the time. Appreciate it. Hit me with your name, brother. Matt. Awesome, Matt. Where are you from? Uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Wow, you made a quite a trip. Yep. So did you fly or did you drive? I drove down here. Wow, how long was the drive? Oh, about seven, eight hours. Awesome. What are you looking forward to the most? Oh, just enjoying the atmosphere out here. Seeing awesome. the campus and the mountains and everything. Sweet, man. Thank you so much, no brother. No problem. Appreciate you. So you, uh, you're you here at the Stadium Series game. First of all, what's your name? My name is Zach Ladrini. Awesome, man. Uh, where are you from? Um, originally from Pueblo, but I came all the way from Oregon just for this game. Awesome. So uh, so far, what's your favorite part? Uh, the tailgating right now, it's pretty different because when you go to a regular hockey game, this doesn't happen. So you're able to tailgate. There's a lot of fans out here getting along with the, the LA Kings fans that have walked by. It's uh, just been a good time so far. I'm really excited to see how it all plays out. Awesome, man. Enjoy the game. Thank you. 
I'm here at the Stadium Series game with Ryan Spinuzzi. Where are you from, Ryan Spinuzzi? Pueblo, Colorado. Uh, I see you walking around here with a guy that looks a lot like you. Are you a twin? I am, yes. That's awesome. Tell me, uh, what's your favorite part so far of the Stadium Series event? Uh, you know, hockey's like family, and you know, either LA fans or Avalanche fans or whoever's, you know, I just feel like everyone just is a part of it, and we're all just big families having a good time enjoying hockey. I'm here at the Stadium Series game with, what's your name, brother? David. David, thank you so much for taking a couple questions for me. Yeah, of course, man. So you're wearing an old school blueberry jersey. Tell yes, me how sir. you got your hands on that. Uh, well, that was the transition when they were going from Reebok to Adidas. So I got it it's super cheap, but it's a, a retro kind of jersey. It's got the Rangers look to it, but it's a... It's definitely one of my favorite jerseys. I'm yeah. sad they took it away. Yeah, definitely. What are you looking forward to today so, uh, the most? I think just the outdoor weather and just everything. The whole stadium got 50,000 people, basically, for a hockey game. It's going to be a fun time. Did you ever think you'd find yourself standing outside of a hockey game answering a question in the outdoor game, getting ready to watch hockey in a college football stadium? <laughs> Not really, but... <laughs> I got him in. I love it. Uh, every minute of it. Right on, David. Thank you so much, right, brother. Thanks, man. Big shout out to all the people who took questions from me uh, in the pregame parking lot tailgate bonanza. That honestly was the best part of the evening or of the day, I guess. I, I Like I said earlier, I arrived at 1 p.m. with a group of friends. We busted out the beer, busted out the sauce toss, and we just started having fun. So... If, if my takeaway from the whole experience was that the best part was tailgating uh, with your fellow fans. And I would almost I would almost be an advocate of taking the whole pregame experience out and just making way for more of that tailgating uh, uh, vibe because it was really a, a cool thing. It was a, there was almost a, a little community of hockey fans uh, building in the parking lot. Everyone had their grill uh their grill going or they had uh, some food that they had previously made like i said there were some ketchup chips and to the to the to the sir that uh made the trip from canada who had the ketchup chips i'm so sorry i lost your interview uh he was a great interview he gave me a an awesome story um uh, of how those ketchup chips made their way to the states because you know he's like he said uh he doesn't like to use the s word s for smuggling but they've definitely had to do some things in order to get those ketchup chips into the state so i'm sorry brother i wish i could have that could have uh, go back in time and make sure that i hit record but i blew it i totally blew it so <laughs> sorry about that but to those of you who i did get on the show thank you guys again so much for listening and uh for answering my questions and taking the time so now i'm going to get my buddy tom hunter in here tom it's um, time for some weekly hockey therapy as i call it let's talk a little bit about the colorado avalanche and some things that have happened in the most recent week i mentioned in my pregame. Uh, before the Islanders game that the Avalanche are probably looking for the keys to the DeLorean because if they could do anything to go back in time before the days of the Philip Grubauer injury, Nazem Kadri injury, Miko Rantanen injury, and Matt Calvert injury, I think they would take that opportunity. So with all that being said, um, which injury, Tom, do you think is going to have the most impact on things going forward? Um, I think... Well, it's hard to it's hard to uh, pick anything other than the Ranton and injury for being the most impactful. He's the team's second best player. He's been playing really well um, from the All Star game 
once he got rolling after that first injury, he was playing really well again. And so for him to miss any length of time, that's going to be that's going to be tough to to fill their shoe his shoes. But I think it'll be easier to cover for him just because the team has so much scoring power than it is for a guy like Kadri to be without your. We saw last year to be without a true number two center, um, which is where the abs are now. Um, like even last year, there wasn't a true number two second center, but Soderberg was around to fill in down the middle and play down the middle um, in the middle six, but he's not around anymore. Kadri was a better version of that. So without him, you move Joe Stover, you move Comfort over, you try different things, but you're still missing that bona fide top six center to play um, behind behind uh, McKinnon, the McKinnon line. So I think he might he'd likely be the hardest one for them to replace. So if they're going to try to replace one of them, I think trying to find a center to fill that role for the next little while might be the best thing to thing to do. Yeah, and I kind of thought that would be your answer in terms of Rantanen. Um, and last time Rantanen was out for an extended period of time with an injury, Andre Burakovsky really seemed to step into his own and kind of show just what he could bring to the table do you think this is another opportunity for Andre Burakovsky, seeing that he is uh, basically looking to get time with the Colorado Avalanche, two best players on the ice currently? Oh, for sure. He's, um, yeah, he he's a streaky player, and it's the streaks happen to coincide with getting a little more ice time, getting a little more confidence. The second he scores a couple goals, you can see him get a lot more confident with the puck. And you can see the coach's confidence in him goes up. Even when Nico was in the lineup, um, they were moving guys around, trying to experiment, trying to get Burakovsky in that position, a bigger scoring position. Um, so I think, yeah, playing uh, anybody's going to look good playing next to Nathan McKinnon, but I think Burakovsky fills that role pretty well, better than most. Um, I, I said something on... Twitter during the last game was the last game two games ago. One one of the recent Avs games where it's kind of freaky how much Burakovsky and Rantanen look the same on the ice. Like their numbers are one apart. They are both long, lanky, skinny guys that have a long stride, a long awkward stride. And like half the time, it's hard to tell which one of it, which one of them it is. Like obviously, Miko's a better player of the two, but just on first glance, when you see a guy out there standing on the side of the power play or whatever, it's not automatic to tell which one's which. And so the fact that they play so similarly and they kind of look, they look so similarly, it might be might be a seamless transition, like you said. Yeah, their mannerisms are strikingly similar, and I think. Early on in the season, when I wasn't so familiar with the way Burakovsky looked on the ice, I was like especially tripped out. Like there were moments where I was like, Rantanen has been on this power play the entire two minutes. What's going on? But it turns out it was Burakovsky, and they shoot the same. Yeah, it's 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 very eerie to see them do what they do so similarly. Um, that being said, opportunity-wise, this is also going to be a huge opportunity for recent call-up Martin Kaut. He comes from the Colorado Eagles and is a draft pick of the Colorado Avalanche. Tell me what fans can expect from him. Um, he's a guy 
that um, by all accounts is one of the hardest working guys out there. He he wants to succeed more than just about anything. Um, and it that's probably his big, that his, and his mind are probably the two biggest um, assets that he brings to the team. He, I don't know. I, I don't watch the Eagles closely enough, but in the preseason, he was, he looked really good in the games where both teams were playing mostly OHLers. Like, Kout looked almost dominant out there. But then the handful of games, it's, it's the tiniest sample size when he's a rookie, so there's a lot to, there's, it's not a ton to go on, but he, in the games, the two or three games where he was playing with NHLers and against NHLers, he looked kind of slow. Like you could see he had some puck skills. You could see he was good positionally, but he just looked very obviously a step slower than the NHL guys. Maybe that's changed. Hopefully that's changed um, with another half season in the AHL. Um, and I guess we'll find out tonight if he's in line. We'll find out the next few games if he does have that foot speed to warrant the kind of the, the draft slot that the Avs picked him with, as well as to see if he can make the kind of impact um, I'm sure the coaching staff and Joe Sackett are hoping that he does. Yeah, I hope he does too. Um, and I talked with Scott a couple of weeks ago, and he mentioned that in his mind the next guy up was Logan O'Connor. And uh, given this is before the injuries had kind of hit and had kind of hit the avalanche, but um, Martin Cout was definitely kind of looking like he was going to stay an Eagle for pretty much the remainder of the season. So why do you think uh, Martin Cout did end up getting called up? Uh, part of it is if you don't think too far into it, it's that he more fitting to be in a top nine position. Logan O'Connor, we've seen him up. He's a fourth line NHL player. Martin Kout plays a game that's more offensively sound. It's more threatening, more more designed for a top nine NHL role. That said, there's a little bit of a conspiracy theory going around. Scott mentioned it to me. I Scott and I almost mentioned it exactly at the same time. And it's something that's been thrown around by a couple other people um, in behind the scenes. Uh, I think AJ mentioned it to me as well, that this might be a showcase for the trade deadline on Monday to show a couple other teams, yeah, Martin Coates' development is coming along. This is an asset that you are going to want. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that Mark Bergevin the GM of the Habs, he's been in Denver all week. He was at the last game. He's at the game tonight. Um, maybe he, maybe the Habs knew they needed to call up a winger. And maybe Kelt was one of the guys that is in these talks. Because they're very obviously talking with the Habs if Bergevin's hanging out all week in Denver. Um, so maybe he's a guy that they were, they've been talking about for a while and Sackick saw this as the opportunity. We need a winger anyway. Let's bring him up. Let's show him exactly what they'd be getting in a trade. Um, that could be another reason beyond trying to bring up a guy who can fit in the middle six. Scott also told me that at those Eagles games, um, the Rangers, another team the Avs have been long connected to in terms of trade talks, the Rangers have had at least two scouts at Eagles games for the last couple of weeks. 
and word around the game is that Kout was the one they were watching. So, again, it just seems there's so much smoke around this that this very well could just be a showcase to say they have three games before the deadline. Watch what he can do. Is this a guy that gets the trade done for whatever whatever it is that they're they're looking at? Yeah, and that would make sense too. In in if you're thinking trade wise, because no one's trading for a fourth line forward right now. I mean, you'd have to have your ducks pretty much really in a row to be going after that guy at the deadline. Like teams are going after pretty predominant pieces that are going to set them over the edge and get them into the playoffs and maybe go on a playoff push. So I, I could see, you know, Martin Couts, like you mentioned, his ceiling is a little bit higher. He's looking at more like a top six role uh, when things are said and done. And Logan O'Connor is your consummate fourth line, strong on the four check kind of guy. So it makes sense. And I think that if it weren't for the injuries, we wouldn't see Martin Kaut this season anyhow. So, I mean, as much as it hurts to say, it's kind of a blessing in disguise because we need we get to see if we can get some value for him on the market and we get a glimpse at kind of where he is in his development. But wouldn't you agree that uh, without the injuries, we probably would not have seen Martin Kaut? Oh, for sure. Yeah, he if the Rantanen injury didn't come about, even if Rantanen did get hurt, if Calvert were still in there, if, if they didn't have two top nine wingers go down, he almost certainly wouldn't be up. Because um, he's still so young. Um, and it's, I think he's not even, what is he, 20 now? He's 20. And it's a year and a half into his pro career in North America. Like, he's, if it were a different kind of player, maybe, yeah, he's ready, but this is a guy who's missed a lar- large chunk of the season, so nobody expected him to be the call-up right now. Um, like with Shane Bowers, the team wants to keep those guys, those young guys who are just starting their pro career in the Eagles' stability, playing big minutes down there as much as possible. So the fact that they're calling him up, maybe it's maybe there's more reason to it other than let's see what you got, let's see if he can make an impact. But at the same time, you can call up you call up Logan O'Connor, you call up Tynan. We know what those guys are. They're 4A guys. They're AHL players that can play on your fourth line. Martin Kout is, the hope is he's a lot more than that. So calling him up at this point when they know they need to put him in the top nine, um, as opposed to if they call him up at a different time where they're just sticking him in the bottom, the fourth line and playing eight minutes a game. Like, they're going to give him the opportunity right now, like, go at it, kid, throw him right in the fire, top nine, give him 14, 15 minutes a game and see what he can do. Um, so I think I think it's a little bit of both. The, for Sackett to see what, what they've got and for anybody who's looking to talk trade to see what they've got. Yeah, so say, say Cal is a, a piece in a trade. Um, the Rangers, like you mentioned, there's been a, a lot of chatter uh, in terms of the as acquiring Chris Kreider, who else uh, from the Rangers do you think the Avalanche could be t- possibly targeting? And do you think that they have at least uh, asked what it would take um, to get a goaltender out of Montreal or New York, not naming names? I honestly, I don't know. We still don't know fully. They won't give us any information on Grubauer's injury, but I, I just can't see it. The price thing... It just doesn't make sense. It's a 
terrible contract. Like he's making ten and a half million dollars until he's like forty or thirty nine or something like that. Like it's just a god awful contract. So I can't see that. Um, I know it was thrown around by a couple reporters in the last week or so, but it it literally comes off comes across as hey they traded for Patrick Waugh years ago and won the cup. Do it again. And, and nothing beyond that. Like, that's literally the only reason people are drawing this conclusion. Um, Lundqvist kind of makes a little bit more sense. He's only got one more year on his contract. Um, the Rangers have two guys that they think are the future that they want to run with. So if they were going to make a if, – if they prove our shirt worse than we think and they're going to make a play for a goal, a starting goalie um, to make a run – I think Henrik makes more sense. Of course, he's got a full no lumen cloud and might not want to leave New York. It's the only place he's ever known in North America, so is that someone's block? But I don't think they will make a play for either of them, but if it was one of the, t- of the two, Lundqvist makes a heck of a lot more sense. You get him this year, next year, and then he's off the books, done, before you need to start paying Kale McCarr and the contract extensions for other guys come up. Um, yeah. In terms of the Kreider thing, He's a guy that scares me. Um, he would be a great fit. He'd be next to, in the playoffs, a Kreider Kadri combination, which is wreak havoc on opposition. The thing is, with the prices we're seeing this week, it's, he's going to be really expensive. And you want to give up Kelp plus a prospect, or plus a pick, plus maybe another piece, like a first round pick plus Kelp plus maybe another piece for a rental of Chris Kreider. That's, I don't know. I don't know if I would want to do that if I was Sackick. Um, yeah, I, it, it just, like you said, he would be a great fit. I just don't know if they want to pay that kind of price given where the team is right now. And if the Avalanche do bring him on, then brings the question of whether or not they would re-sign him because if he does well, then you're kind of in a difficult situation. You have to ask yourself, are we going to sign Gabriel Landeskog to possibly his last contract as a pro, or are we going to extend Kreider for this uh, window? He's going to be an expensive... He, like, yeah, you say, like, people will say, oh, bring him in and try to talk contract extension, but he's going to want a lot of money. He's waited this long. If he's not signing in New York, he's going to wait till July 1st. Even if the ads try to do it, it's going to be really expensive more expensive than probably he probably wants first line money or close to it which is going to be a lot for a second line player um the one interesting thing i i had someone someone who covers the rangers was he he's known about the the couch thing for a while like when couch got called up he was asking me if this is a showcase sort of thing the one the name he brought up was ryan strom um he's he is a free agent at the end of the year, but he's a restricted free agent. He's got arbitration rights, so he can go to arbitration and be one year away from unrestricted free agency, but they would still, he wouldn't be a rental. They'd still have his um, rights at the end of the year, and he's having a career season. He's been really good. He can play both center and wing, um, and I think, I don't know, it, he would be the one that I would look at. I would keep in mind if it's the Rangers. Um, Kelton a pick for Ryan Strom might make a lot more sense. He's not as good as Kreider. He's two years younger. 
He's not a renter. He's a better playmaker. Like he's got 50 points this year already. It's a breakout year, but this is the first year he's ever had a real legitimate, um, stable role. So keep an eye on that one. I think I think Ryan Strome is a legitimate comp, a legitimate um, right possibility for for a trade before Monday's deadline. Yeah, and another name that's been thrown around, um, and you mentioned that Montreal is going to have some administrators in the press box for the rest of the week here uh, following the Colorado Avalanche, but I've heard uh, the name Max Domi thrown around. Do you think that's a, an actual possibility? And if so, um, obviously you don't know, but what would you assume is the return or what would Montreal be asking for in return for a guy like Max Domi? I, I think he would, well, Again, the one the guy who works Mark Mark Dupont, he's really good. He works for the uh, the Atlantic, um, covers the Habs. Um, I was talking to him, and he he thinks they are shopping Domi legitimately because he's owed a new contract at the end of the year, um, and is probably going to want more. He's a restricted free agent still, but is going to want more than the Habs want to pay him. Um, I don't know that he's the type of player the Avs need. Um, like he's a good player, but he, one thing Mark told me was that they've realized that Max Domi is really, he's good when he's playing center, but they need him to play wing in Montreal, and he's really ineffective when he's playing the wing. And we know that Joe Sackick likes the guys that can play both wing and center. Like, Joe's can play both. Copper can play both. Even like Kadri, they've been moving the wing at points during the year. Um, guys that are versatile that can play be just as effective both wing and center are guys that Sackick likes. He likes that sort of utility player. And Max Domi really isn't that. That and he's been a really bad defensive player this year. And that's not another bad defensive forward isn't necessarily something the Avalanche are going to be looking for. Um, the one name. I heard as well that might be just as expensive but might be a better fit for the Avs is Thomas Tatar. He's long enough removed that he probably has the Red Wings stink off of him by now. So, yeah. Yeah, and he's a fast player, and he has a wicked shot. So he would be a pretty effective replacement for Miko Rantanen if he's out for an extended period of time. Like, that dude has next-level speed. Oh, yeah, for sure. And he's, he's got another year on the contract as well. He's not a rental. And that seems to be the common theme. Everybody I talk to, it's Sackett just doesn't want a rental because, yeah, the team's good this year, but they're going to be just as good next year or better. Um, and he wants he wants guys with a little bit of turn, not necessarily long-term, like because after next year they have to pay McCarr, or after the year after that they have to pay Landeskog. Things are going to get expensive. So guys with two years on the contract, like Tatar, like this year and next, seem to be what he's looking at. And like you said, he's a fast player. He's been a really good offensive player, really good defensive winger for them. And if you put him on the left side in the playoffs, like you could easily picture him on the left side of McKinnon and Randman whenever Randman comes back. Um, or a guy that fills in that goal-scoring touch while Randman's out. Um, so I think if it's if it's the Habs, 
they're convinced something big's coming. The Habs are because Bergevin's been in Denver all week, and it wasn't just him. He brought Mellonby along with him, who is his like right hand man, the only guy he really trusts in the front office. So it's the Habs. The people who cover the Habs more so than than the people around the Avalanche think something big is happening, whether it's with the Abs or not. And it just stands to reason that they've been in Denver for so long that it probably is the, the Abs. So if it's something big. Qatar is likely a much more likely um, target for for uh, for Sackick, and it and it kind of sounds like they're trying to grab a defensive or a roster defenseman from the Avs in exchange. Maybe Zadorov. Bergman loved Zadorov for a while. You know how he likes big, low-ish defensemen. So might maybe Graves, but it'd be hard for them. He's been playing so well. It'd be hard for them to give him up, but it, it kind of sounds like they're the Habs people think, think that it's something, something brewing between something bigger, like, like a, like a Domi or a Tatar or something like that. Um, in exchange for a, a couple of, a couple of pieces plus a roster defenseman. Yeah. And what's hilarious is like a couple of weeks ago, it didn't seem like teams were really all that desperate um, to go pick anyone up, and it didn't seem like teams were all that willing to let people go just yet. But in a matter of weeks, that has like completely changed on both ends of the spectrum. Teams are now a lot more eager to replace dudes that are injured. In the case of the Colorado Avalanche, uh, they're loading up to make a playoff run. If you're thinking Jason Zucker and the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, or you're a team like the Montreal Canadiens who pretty much uh, have no shot at the playoffs and you've got some players that could really get you some quality return that may not be a part of the future. And now you're desperate to see what you can get for these guys that, that are probably uh, play their way out of your squad. So I think we're going to have a pretty busy week ahead of us, Tom. Thank you, my man, for uh, taking my phone call and uh, chatting it up with me. I really appreciate it. No problem. Um, we'll talk to you next week. There you have it, folks. That was Tom Hunter from MileHighHockey.com. You can follow him on Twitter at PuckDon'tLie. That's at Puck Don't Lie. My name is Adrian Hernandez. Thank you so much for listening to At Elevation, a podcast for Avalanche fans by Avalanche fans. Um, it's been a privilege to, we, I think this is our seventh episode or our sixth episode, so it's pretty sweet. Uh, we're on a roll here. And I hope you guys are enjoying it. If you are, don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. Um, Until next time, go Avalanche.